0: Hello, brothers and sisters, this is the Remnant Warrior, and you are now listening to Buy Their Fruits on the Kingdom Productions Network.
1: Buy their fruits, you shall know them.
0: Bye, 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 buy their fruits. Buy their fruits.
2: Buy their fruits. Buy their fruits. Buy their fruits. You shall know them.
1: Alright. Welcome to Buy Their Fruits. I'm your host, Jeremy Stone, and I'm here with my new co-host John Brisson to talk about the Hebrew roots movement. On episode eight, titled, It is Finished with Johnny Bargo, we broke down most of the beliefs of the Hebrew Roots Movement, and we wanted to continue the conversation tonight, because the dangers of it seem to be never-ending. One of the most aggravating things about the Hebrew Roots Movement is how fast it continues to grow. With people leaving the ancient doctrines of Christianity to join this relatively new doctrine that is comparable to poison sumac for the soul, As ignorant folks decide to ignore the fundamental teachings of Jesus Christ and the understanding of the Jewish law, their clever and sophisticated doctrines of demons has been spreading like a contagion. What's going on, John? What's going on, Jeremy?
2: Glad to be here. Glad to be here with the both of y'all. Glad to be here on By Their Fruits. Glad to be co-hosting. I am honored. Uh, Though I will miss Bryant, but I'm pretty sure he will make a return. Uh, But I'm definitely glad to be here this evening with you fellow brothers in Christ.
0: Yeah, me too. I am always honored anytime that I'm asked to come on. And and this is definitely an important subject if there ever was one. Uh, I've done several episodes on the Hebrew roots, mainly because I came out of the Hebrew root movement. And it's very easy to get if you come from a background that has taught a lot of things that are not true and you're realize you know you're waking up to that fact and you're looking for truth and each direction the Hebrew roots you know they're there with all of this truth and you know that's the way the enemy works he has just enough truth to get you hooked
1: on his lies. Yeah, I mean, that's why I said, like, that the way that they explain some things, it, it it's very clever and sophisticated. You know, if you're not standing on the firm foundations of the essential doctrines of the faith, man, like, I can see how one would get sucked into all of that. But it, it's almost like most cults, how they undermine the reliability of the Bible. They seem They seem to do the same thing, to coerce people into their own teachings
2: yes very much so i mean <clears throat> born again believers we want to we want to pre- please god the father jesus christ um and uh we want to you know make our father happy and, and uh, abide by uh the uh commandments that uh, jesus had given us you know uh, love God, god and honor god and revere god uh with all our heart mind and soul and to uh love our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, and so in doing so, the Hebrew roots people uh, prey on that. They, they, they uh, uh, kind of spit in God's face by the grace that he has offered us. Uh, and uh, in doing so, they're like, well, you know, y- you really mean well. You, you want to please God, right? And people be like, yeah, well, of course. <laughs> you know. And they're like, you want to leave exactly how Jesus and the apostles did. Right. And they're like, well, yeah, like like who would not who would not want to do that? You know, we want to honor and serve and love God. And so they kind of come in there with that silver forked tongue. And they also, you know, tell people, hey, you want to you want to you want to learn how uh, the, you know, the, the apostles lived. You want to learn how uh, the Jewish people lived during the Old Testament. Right. You want to learn how, you know, all, all the celebrations uh, that, that they had uh, you know, observed. Um, Some God commanded them to observe, some did not in modern today. Um, And, uh, you know, as far as observing the law, and they kind of like just kind of wedge it in there. And, you know, a lot of people, they're not well versed in their Bible. Uh, It's sad, but true. Uh, We should always be uh, in God's word uh, daily, if all possible, Um, or at least we should be listening to. Either people read it or, you know, uh, well-meaning brothers uh, in Christ uh, who have good discernment, uh, you know, preaching about it. Um, But a lot of people aren't. And so in doing so, since they're not uh, wearing the full armor of God, they're not well-versed in the word, uh, they fall for those um, deceptions. And I'm seeing it more and more where they start, it works by uh, seeding uh, doubt almost casting spells of doubt upon people when they start, you know, doubting Paul. Paul didn't really know Jesus, right? Paul, you know, Paul didn't have apostolic authority, right? See how Paul's letters contradict Jesus's teachings, the other apostles' teachings, right? Now, of course, anybody who's well-versed in the word and the early church no, that's completely false. But they'll try, and they'll cherry-pick, and they'll deceive. So it starts with Paul. Then you, then people start either twisting Paul's words to try to fit what they believe in the Hebrew Roots movement, or they completely just cut out Paul. Then they start cutting well, out parts of the New Testament. Well, you know, Second Peter <laughs> says, you know, Paul's teachings were, you know, divinely inspired and for us to follow. But oh, wait, well, maybe there's an issue with second Peter. Maybe second Peter wasn't written by Peter. Should I should I should I follow Peter? Well, what about Acts? What about Acts 15 in the Jerusalem Council? Well, Peter there, you know, it's not Paul, but Peter says, um, you know, talking about, you know, living under the law and Gentiles and even, you know, Jewish Christians living under the law. Uh, He says in Acts 15.10, since this is the case, why are you putting God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke what neither our forefathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we are saved through the grace of Lord Jesus in the same way they also are. So, again, they're they're trying to to put on more than even God and Jesus has put upon them. And no one has been able uh, to keep the whole law Except for the Son of Man, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, you know, who's God in the flesh. So no, you know, all all the Old Testament. Truly, we think of the the the, the saints of the Old Testament, the men of God of Old Testament, like David, this man, with God's own heart. When he died, he didn't go straight to heaven. He wasn't born again. He didn't have the Holy Spirit like we are, you know, by God's grace gifted with now. No, he he waited. He went to paradise uh Abraham's bosom and you know and Jesus you know would later you know come to him after he died on the cross and of course you know then David went to heaven but the law didn't save David now David had faith ultimately in God and that's why he was in paradise but the law doesn't save as Paul says it's a schoolmaster it's a, it's to point out sin it's to bring people to task but by us being born again and having the Holy Spirit the conviction of our soul the conviction of our character it's far greater than what even the law could do. But they try to distort that, so then they end up trying to distort the rest of the New Testament, and ultimately they try to distort people's beliefs in Jesus and saying that's idolatry, and that He is not, you know, part of part of the, the Trinity. That's what they end up trying to do. They end up eventually it is to wedge and break apart people's faith, deconstruct their faith, deconstruct parts of the Word that that acted like God did not preserve the Bible. And it ends up causing doubt, and then nine times out of ten, these people don't grow in their strength of their faith and their walk with the Lord, their personal relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Instead, they fall away. They fall away.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the sad thing is, is that they're not even uh unified enough in their own circle to what we would, you know, pay with the broad stroke, stroke, the Hebrew roots, like they argue among themselves what the real name of Christ is, you know, the real name of the Father, and they can't even agree on that. But yet, if you don't say the right name, and because I know this sounds a lot like Sacred Name Movement, but that's because the Sacred Name Movement, the Hebrew Roots Movement, and the Torah Observant Movement seems to all be, uh, the Hebrew Roots is pretty much those other two squished together. It all all connects to each other.
0: Can I say something and play devil's advocate here? We have to be careful not to put people in a box um, and label people that we don't necessarily know. And I I say that because I have brothers in Christ who are friends who are Torah-observant. But they're definitely not Hebrew roots.
1: Um, no, that That's what I mean, though, is that the Hebrew, the, the Torah observant is one group and the sacred namers are one group. But the Hebrew roots movement incorporates both of those different yeah. sects together. And that's what the Hebrew roots movement pretty much is. Yeah,
0: the Hebrew roots movement. Well, first of all, the sacred namers are definitely Hebrew roots. You know, the sacred name just takes the Hebrew Roots movement and goes a little bit further with it. And, you know, then they are saying that if you don't pronounce the name of the Messiah just right, then there's no power in it. You can't get saved. And, you know, and the name's constantly changing. And like you said, they can't even agree on the name. But it's like this john said earlier that one of the things they use and this is the truth is that because i've heard this many times don't you want to live like jesus lived they had the bracelets what would jesus do well how about what how jesus lived don't you want to live how jesus lived well <laughs> the thing is we are supposed to live how jesus lived and we're supposed to follow his example and not one time in the entire New Testament where Jesus is talking, does he call God the Father anything other than Father? He never tries to call him by name. And so if we're going to follow Jesus and follow his example, then why are why would we try to you know, perfectly pronounce the name of God the Father, or Jesus for that matter, when the truth is that God is the one who confused and confounded the languages, and names are not all pronounced the same, no matter, because I heard this argument the other day, I may have Someone that I actually respected, and it surprised me, he said that your name doesn't change no matter, you know, like if you go to another language, the name remains the same. Well, that's not true. Just look at the name of Jesus. Um, In English, it's Jesus. In Aramaic, it's Yeshua. In Spanish, it's Jesus. Names definitely change. In different languages. And God created. Or confounded. And created these languages. So. If you speak a different language. You're going to say his name different. And the power is not in. The way you pronounce it. It's in. Your faith. In the person of Jesus Christ.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, yep. yeah. I'm, I mean David wrote. And he was definitely divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit in Psalm 145, Psalm one forty five eighteen, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call out to him in truth. So, you know, this sacred name movement as a former Gnostic, I see it clear as day as a form of Gnosticism, as a form of mystery Babylon religion. Because, oh, I have this secret knowledge. I have God's true name. To have a yeah. special, very special relationship with the Father has Absolutely. nothing to do with, um, you know, a person, uh, you know, trying to mirror Christ or be Christ-like or for them to be regenerated or, or for them to, you know, honor the commandments that Jesus had given us. Uh, no, it's it's none of that. It's none of bearing fruit. It's I know the secret name. I'm special. God has made me special. It's it's it's. Complete and utter, just it's blasphemy, and it's a, it's spitting in God's face, in my opinion.
0: It, yeah, it's and disgusting. That's, that's what it boils down to, and a lot of it is that by keeping the feast <laughs> and observing the Sabbath, even though <laughs> the early church worshiped on Sunday, not where well, they worshiped on the first day of the week. Not the Sabbath, that because there was no Sabbath anymore. You know I've heard a lot of Hebrew roots and uh, Torah observant people say that the Pope changed the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday, and uh, I know that that is true for Catholicism. But what's that got to do with Christianity? Because they're, they're not the same thing. The Pope right. could, you know, he could change whatever he wants to change. And it's not going to affect Christianity because there is no Sabbath other than Jesus in Christianity. And yeah. he is where we find our risk. But they they make they make themselves seem more holy by keeping these feast days and the Sabbath and make other believers look and feel like second-class Christians.
1: Yeah, like if you don't do this, then you're not saved or you're not obeying the commandments of Christ. But like Colossians talks about something similar and says in Colossians 2:16 and 17, Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are a shadow of what is to come but the substance belongs to Christ. And then Romans 14, 5 states, one person regards one day above the other, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. So it's not our job to convince one another to worship on Saturday or Sunday. That's not the point. If you're fully convinced in your own mind that you want to worship on a Saturday, that's fine. But you cannot go and judge another who worships, because they're convinced in their own mind that Sunday is the day of worship.
0: And that's why I see the difference between the Torah observant people and the Hebrew roots, because the people, uh, now I'm not talking about all, because I don't know all Torah observant people, but the ones I do know, they keep the feast days, they worship on the Sabbath, but they don't say that it is a requirement for everyone. And... The Hebrew roots do, you know, if you don't, yes. if you aren't keeping the, the feast and the law that is applicable in their mind to keep, then you are not obeying the commandments that, you know, John talks about in his epistles. But that's not the commandments that John was talking about, the commandments of Christ or the commandments that John was talking about.
2: Yes. Right, the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, and, Yes. you know, we also know what about the Christians uh who live in China who are under heavy persecution or North Korea, for example. Um they can't, you know, worship on uh Saturday or uh Sunday, uh, because usually they're usually worshiping whatever they possibly can. Uh, if corporation can even happen, we'll say Tuesday, 3 a.m., you know, so what, what God is going to be upset at them because they can't specifically do it. Um, when Jesus Christ is our rest, Jesus Christ. Is our Sabbath um, when, you know, they could get, only get together then without, you know, uh, uh, facing uh, severe persecution uh, to earnestly in spirit and truth worship uh, God, the father and Jesus Christ. No, it, it's. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous right. to, it, it, to, to be, you know, to, to say that God would be upset at them for that.
1: And that's a good point, because some modern, some modern-day churches as well today, they do it on Sunday and Wednesday, or Saturday and Wednesday. Yes. So, you know, and they don't condemn others for not doing it on Saturday or Wednesday. Some do, obviously. But I guess to yeah. clear up my point here is that I'm not saying that those who are to- Torah observant are Hebrew roots— I'm just saying that in the Hebrew Roots movement, the concept of Torah observance and the concept of the Sacred Name movement are blended together. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know.
2: Yes, it, it becomes a pride problem. becomes a hard issue.
1: Right. Yeah, I wanted to you, go, ahead. go ahead. Oh,
0: go on, bro. I was just gonna say, you know, I, I. I had to go visit someone in the hospital today who was dying and the family are parishioners of the church that I was the pastor at and they asked me to go in and visit with her. And I felt that the reason the Lord wanted me to go because I, I really felt convicted to go and I felt that the reason the Lord wanted me to go was for the lady that was dying. But when I got there, um, you know, I spoke with her for quite a while and she was adamant. I mean, adamant that she, you know, she had already accepted Christ. She was a follower of Christ. Now, whether she really was or not, you know, only God knows that. However, you know, there was no way for me to make her, you know, accept Jesus if she was lying to me. A lot of people preach what they want him to hear. So if that was the case, then there's nothing I could do about that. But I don't think she was lying. However, before I left, I, I had already come down from the hospital, come down the elevator, come out of the hospital, got in my car was getting ready to leave, and I got a phone call from Sister Mary Callie letting me know that um, her grandson was about to pull up, and her grandson is one of the ones who wanted me to come, and his mother was <laughs> one, of, she died in, in, at the end of 2020, and this woman I had an anointing like nobody else I have ever known in my life. And her son is who I was actually there to see, but I didn't know it when I went. I talked with him for over an hour, and um, he I found out that he was confused about a lot of things. Um, you know, as far as Christianity goes. One is the thing that we talked about the last time I was on here, which is the once saved, always saved, and the uh, you know, asking Jesus in your heart, the the sinner's prayer model. You know, he, he did not know there was anything wrong with that. But in talking with him, we got to talking about the persecuted church around the world. And I told him something that is so very true. Just the fact that we are able to come here tonight and that we are having to discuss this issue proves that the church here in America and the people in general have been hindered, not helped, by... The freedom that we have enjoyed for the last, (laughs) I don't know how many years, you know, well over a 100 years, going on 200 years, I guess. But that freedom in this quote, unquote, Christian nation has created an environment that was able to breed all these different doctrines, all these different denominations, and all of this all of this falseness, these false teachings, these doctrines of men and doctrines of demons, they don't have this problem over in the persecuted countries where you know, they're being killed for their faith. That persecution comes with power, not earthly power, but spiritual power from the Holy Spirit. And it was the same in the early church. When the church was being persecuted, they had tremendous Holy Spirit power. The Bible says that they turned the world upside down. And the more that... The Romans killed the Christians, the more Christianity grew, and it was, I mean, it continued to be that way until Satan, of course, realized, hey, when I killed Jesus, that didn't help me. It actually was my downfall, and when I'm killing his body, his church, that's not working either because it's causing them to grow. So instead, he infiltrated the church. And, you know, we know what happened after Constantine and Nicaea, and eventually we got the Catholic Church. And then that allowed one false teaching after another. You know, even we look back and we think that the Reformation was this great spiritual awakening. It really wasn't. It, it really wasn't. It was just more of the same in a a different a different mask.
2: It was a refined. Yeah. It was a refined veneer. It was more refined. It was more yes. palatable.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And those who remained. In the, the faith of the apostles, the historic faith, like the Anabaptists, they were persecuted by the Reformers.
2: Oh, very much so, yes. The Baptists and the Anabaptists. There's a good recording of it in Martyr's Mirror. Uh, as a yeah. Baptist myself, not a Calvinist Baptist, uh, but yes, I, I talk about it, discuss that all the time, that we are different from the um, uh, Reformed camp. I don't call ourselves Reformed.
0: Yeah, and you know, I came out of the, the Southern Baptist Church. I was actually ordained when I first became a minister in the Southern Baptist Church, but they are very Calvinistic and Reformed. At least the church that I was in was
2: yes, very much a lot of the bar. But, well, earlier. You know,
0: that, that just doesn't the the freedom that we see is is a good thing spiritually it, it really wasn't it 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 caused spiritual decay you know I, look at the state of America because of that freedom. the morality is gone there is no morality we have now entered the time that the bible prophesied when evil is called good and good is called evil
1: yeah i mean even what we learned about how all these false false doctrines were going to enter the church right and the end days and yeah. look how many different sects of christianity there are now there's so many movements man it's countless like you got the nar the hebrews sacred namers who like It just keeps going and going. And that's because we're not returning to what was once taught to us or what was once taught to the disciples of the apostles that was handed down in the early church. If we could go back to that, if we could go back to that time period where people were mostly unified. I mean, I don't think that they knew everything. They weren't taught everything by the apostles that there is to know. And that's where I think you find like some differences between people. But, for the most part, on the solid core doctrines that aren't even you know it's they're the minority today, like within would you guys agree that first of all, I know we're getting a little off topic here, but that calvinism is is probably the most prominent view within Christianity today, right, mm-hmm. like reformed Absolutely. theology in general, yeah, yeah,
2: dispensational
0: I mean- Calvinism in America would for- be. One of the biggest.
2: For the, most part, yeah. for the most part, it is it is pretty large, especially in, in modern-day uh, uh, Christendom. Um, At least in the, the Western Church. Especially in the United States of America. Uh, it right. does have a big I, – I, I don't think it's the largest, but I'd say it does definitely – that thinking does have a, a large foothold because uh, it does obviously share uh, with the um, the Roman pagan Catholic Church. Um, and somewhat with the Orthodox Church as well, uh, mm-hmm. you know, pushes a lot of that comes from Augustine, obviously, uh, who was originally a Manichaean. And, and some of Augustine's early early works. Um, I'm not, you know, there is a, a lot more truth in it compared to the later writings of Augustine, which uh, against uh, yeah. Plagius. When he had an axe to grind. Yeah, yep, that's when it, that's when the the, the Manichaeanism and, and, and the false doctrine starts uh, shining through. Uh, yep. you know, at, at that point. Um, and it was because of his pride. I would assume I, 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 am not, I wasn't there. Can't speak for Augustine, but I would Whoa. assume he allowed, you know, his pride seeped in, his arrogance seeped in, uh, even if he thought he was doing well, uh, by trying to defend the face against, uh, Pelagius, um, that, that arrogancy and, in in hubris, uh, ended up to, to leading to some real poison doctrine that Calvin, uh, later, uh, siphoned from.
1: I mean, it has to be pride because he he like intentionally re- misrepresented Pelagius.
2: Yeah, but I mean, like, that, it's pretty intentional. I I mean, that is, so you know, I I always start with um, you know, I always start with what does the Bible say, uh, Solar scripture in that regard. However, 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 uh, I do uh, mirror it with what what did the early church uh, teach and believe as well. Uh, up well, until, you know,
0: the uh, what the early church taught him believed, at least for the first 200 years, was exactly what the Bible said. I mean, it was the most literal interpretation of what Scripture said.
2: Yes, I, I agree, but I don't uh, keep the um, rate of the apostolic fathers or the anti, uh, anti-Nicene anti fathers as the same exact weight to Scripture.
0: Uh, but oh I do, no, no 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 no! But I, but, uh, I, but
2: I do but I do revere it and I do use it uh, um, as a, uh, g- I guess a guidepost. Uh, a know, guide of
1: interpretation. It's, yeah, it's yeah, well, different.
0: I mean, it's it's really it's it's like anything else. Okay, when when something is in its infancy, it's the most pure <laughs> because there hasn't been time for it to be corrupted. So. The church at its earliest is just like anything else. It's it's at its most pure, as far as you know doctrinally. It's well, there, the were, there was
2: Gnosticism rising. But well, yeah, Gnosticism. of
0: course, that, and that's the enemy coming against it. I'm not talking about the the heretical sects. I mean, you know, the church,
2: the literal body of Christ. Yes. Yes. Agreed. You know, Agreed.
0: At its infancy. The doctrine is, you know, that they are the ones that are closest to Jesus and closest to the apostles. So they're going to have the the clearest, um, you know, doctrine, closest doctrine to what we see in Scripture. And the farther you get away from the apostles, the the farther the what the world sees as the church. Not, I mean, there, there has always been the church, the remnant, that has, you know, remained in the faith. But as far as the Catholic church, and when I say Catholic, I mean universal, um, they have strayed farther and farther from the truth the more time that has gone by. But to yes, what very much so. Jeremy said earlier, though, about uh, in America, the as far as the largest um, doctrinal system and belief system, the Southern Baptist uh, Convention, the Southern Baptist denomination, is the largest in the country. And for the most part, it is Calvinist. So... If it's not the biggest belief system, it is definitely one of the biggest.
2: Oh, very much so. Very much so. Um and um as someone who came out of the Gnostic camp, uh, that uh you know, God had saved me by the grace he had given me, uh and and and, and someone who who I I, I thank God daily. <laughs> I praise God daily for for this, you know, because I just look back at what I believed and the new ager I was, and the Gnostic I was, and, and look at all these people who believe it. And, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I smelt Calvinism. I smelt the Gnosticism that it was steeped in, um. The moment I, I, I heard the the, the the tulip, you know, the core tenets of Gnosticism. And you even have uh, our core tenets of Calvinism, I guess I was I
0: think case. you said it right the
2: first time. Uh, yeah, I probably did. Uh, <laughs> but but you also have the extreme hardcore Calvinists and not even Calvin would uh subscribe to uh, Yeah, uh, the right. double predestinationist that is even completely Gnostic. It's it's completely uh completely just rancid. It just stinks in the nostrils of God. Um, but I, you know, to, to I guess to circle back, um, uh, to uh, Hebrew roots, I have a little bit here to read if you guys don't mind from the uh, 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 epistle uh, of Ignatius to the Magnesians. Now, Ignatius of Antioch uh, was an apostolic father. Uh, he worked uh, um, uh, and was uh, good friends with uh, uh, Polycarp, uh, and they may have both been. Uh, disciples uh, 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 of John the Apostle, the beloved disciple, Uh, as well as there's a possibility, too, that Ignatius may have been one of the children uh, that Jesus Christ uh, took into his arms and had blessed. Um, And so he he wrote in the epistle to the Magnesians, uh, be not deceived uh, with strange doctrines, nor with old fables, which are uh, um, unprofitable, which, you know, a Paul also warned about that too as well, about the Jewish mysticism and the fables. Uh, for, it would still, for if we still live according to the Jewish law, we acknowledge that we have not received grace. For the divinest prophets lived according to Christ Jesus, on the account they were persecuted, being inspired by his grace to fully convince the unbelieving that there is one God, who has manifested himself by Christ Jesus' Son, who is his eternal word, not proceeding forth from silence, and who in all things pleased him that sent him. Let us not, therefore, be insensible to his kindness, for were he to reward us according to our our works, we shall cease to be. Therefore, having become his disciples, let let us to learn according to the principles of Christianity. For whosoever is called by any other name besides this is not of God. Lay aside, therefore, the evil, the old, the sour leaven, and be changed in the new leaven, which is Jesus Christ. Be salted in him. Lest anyone among you should be corrupted, since, your saver, since, since by your Savior you shall be convicted. It is absurd to profess Christ Jesus and to Judaize. For Christianity did not embrace Judaism, but Judaism Christianity, so that every tongue which believes may be gathered together to God.
1: That's beautiful. And that goes into, you know, that's very similar to what uh, the Epistle of Barn- Barnabas talks about in the second chapter. Uh, the Jewish sacrifices are now abolished. Do you want me to go ahead and read that?
2: Yes, you can, uh, Jeremy. Yes, go ahead.
1: All right. So since, therefore, the days are evil and Satan possesses the power of this world, we ought to give heed to ourselves and diligently inquire into the ordinances of the Lord. Fear and patience then are helpers of our faith, and long suffering and continuance are things, continents are things which fight on our side. While these remain pure in what respects the Lord, wisdom, understanding, science, and knowledge rejoice along with them. For he has revealed to us by all the prophets that he needs neither sacrifices nor burnt offerings, nor obligations, or oblations, sorry, I not my glasses, boys, but saying thus, what is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me? Says the Lord, I am full of burnt offerings and desire not the fat of lambs, And the blood of bulls and goats, not when you come to appear before me, for who has required these things at your hands? Tread no more, tread no more, my courts, not though you bring with you the the fine flower. Incense is a vain abomination unto me, and the new moons and Sabbaths I cannot endure. He has therefore abolished these things, that the law of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is without the yoke of necessity, might have a Human ob- oblation, and again he says to them, "I command your fathers when they went out from the land of Egypt to offer unto me burnt offerings and sacrifices. But this rather I command them: Let no one of you cherish any evil in his heart against the na- uh, against his neighbor, and love not an oath of falsehood."
2: And that's found in the Didache. I just wanted to mention real quick, Jeremy. That's in the Didache as well, too. Um, yeah, that, that because way. that was there. When, when, when you practice communion, that you're not supposed to do it if you hold any grudge
1: um, yep.
2: against. So that's that's interesting. But go go ahead. I'm sorry. I just wanted to make mention.
1: No, that's interesting that you say that because I, I didn't. Uh, the Didache itself was almost like, uh, what would you say, Jeremy? It's basically a uh, a shortened version of all the rules or all yeah, the commandments well, the, of Christ, right? The,
0: yeah, the Didache. Um, well, first of all. It was uh written and
1: in... It's the earliest document outside of the Bible we probably have from a christian
2: yes it's it's written the commandments of Christ, but also kind of like a uh the early kind of like a church guidebook without of a better word uh, right and it, you know it talks about baptism talks about fasting and prayer talks about the uh the communion uh which i you know discussed earlier that you're not supposed to uh take communion uh or you're not you are not supposed to um break bread uh with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ if you hold any grudges, if you bear any grudges. uh, uh that you're not supposed to until you forgive. Um and, and uh you know it's it's if anybody's not read the Didache, uh um they definitely should. Um, you know, it's yeah. it's, it's it's definitely worth reading. Um, I, you know, I try to take uh, a lot of it to heart. I myself do my best, uh, to try to recite the Lord's prayer three times a day, uh, as early Christians did in the Didache, uh, not as some sort of, um, routine, but just, uh, in glorification, uh, to God, uh, um, and, uh, out of love and reverence, uh, for him. Uh, I think, the epistle of barnabas there in, in in um i think it referenced the isaiah 1 if i remember correctly jeremy which i love isaiah 1 uh just that you know god you know is is chastising israel and you know saying that all their sacrifices and you know their 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 celebrations their pointed feasts like like they're not they're just going through the motions they're just going through the motions uh, and they're not doing it in reverence and in love of, of God. And so, you know, God is offended because of that and will chastise Israel because of that. Uh, and sadly, we see a lot of Christians today that when they go to church, they are just going through the motions. And, you know, they the, the, the worshiping God and revering God and loving God is sadly far, far from their hearts. And I'm not going to say that every single time. You go to church, is you're going to give it 110%. Okay. But for these people, for many people, they're barely giving 10 to 20% every Sunday. And God doesn't want you to go through the motions. And so in the Epistle of Barnabas, from him, uh, I don't believe this was, um, uh, you know, uh, Barnabas, uh, who was a fellow brother in Christ who worked with Paul. I think this may have been a different Barnabas, uh, but that's another discussion. Uh but nonetheless um I do believe uh that um this this uh epistle <laughs> holds weight in the early church uh for sure uh and should hold weight for anybody who who hears it. Um because it is very interesting and it's a very strong polemic against the Hebrew roots movement.
0: Yes, and what you were saying earlier about the, the Didique, um it The New Testament had not been even completely written because the Book of Revelation had not been written yet. But even if it had, let's say, let's say that there's an earlier date for the Book of Revelation, just for argument's sake, the New Testament still had not been fully put together yet, and you know, made the Bible. So the Didache was what was given to basically a new believer um to to know the tenets of the faith. And um on on the Omega Frequency YouTube channel, there is uh BDK and Phil Baker didn't an, and I think they're still doing it. Um they may have finished it already, but they they did Every I think it's every two weeks. It's called Contending for the Faith, where they went through the Didache, and yes, it's it was a a really really good series that not only showed what the Didache was, you know, what it was used for, but also uh, the way that we today can use that to live by because those things that are there are still true. They still hold true because they come directly from the word of God. And, you know, the Hebrew roots movement, it's the Bible tells us that there's nothing new under the sun. And we know that our adversary is the great counterfeiter you know he tries to counterfeit the things of god and he has done that with so many different movements within the faith the hebrew roots movement of course is no different than the judaizers of the first century you know paul wrote against the Judaizers quite often. And, you know, you, you John, earlier brought up Acts 15 and the Jerusalem Council, and I use that quite often when talking to Hebrew roots people. But, you know, and that was, of course, Peter and James. It was, you know, the apostles. But Paul, in the book of Titus, you know, says to... Hold fast to the faithful word that he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. So, in other words, we need to hold fast to sound doctrine for the non believers, those who are, you know, naysayers uh, against the faith. And then he says, For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said that Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies, This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and the commandments of men that turn from the truth. So, Paul telling Titus here literally to rebuke these people. Now, I'm not saying that we should go and pick fights with those in the Hebrew Roots Movement. Um, You know, I think everything should be done in love. And I think that Paul was not saying to go and pick fights. You can rebuke people in love. But if you do not know the scriptures, if you yourself do not have sound doctrine, then you're not going to be able to soundly or efficiently rebuke anyone. In love or otherwise, you know, you're you're only going to make a fool of yourself and you're not going to accomplish anything but an argument. However, if you know the scriptures and the Holy Spirit within you is speaking through you and you are rebuking these people in love for the things that they are believing and teaching then there is a lot better chance that they will hear you and may even come out of that. And I know this to be true because that is exactly what happened to me when I got caught up in the Hebrew Roots Movement. When I first came out of the the Southern Baptist Church, I, (laughs) you know, I, I was seeing all of the paganism as far as holidays and such and you know I had been listening to people on YouTube and podcast and you know God rest his soul uh Rob Skiba was one of the main ones and yeah yeah I um I was drawn into the things that he was saying and I, there was truth to it. You know, it rang true. And he also came out of a Baptist background. And so there was that camaraderie there. And then when we connected on social media, it just, I was a, you know, I saw a lot of truth there. And then, you know, I know they didn't, mean anything by it and they weren't trying to do any harm but even when i found the fourth watch you know justin fall didn't say jesus he said yeshua and so did bdk and so to me that further um gave you know yeah exactly it legitimized The the Hebrew root teachings and teachers that I was listening to and I was just looking for truth. Yes, I knew the scriptures, but you have to understand You can know what the Bible says all day long if you are interpreting it through the lens of false doctrine and you don't know the Bible so Although I knew what the Bible said, I didn't know the (laughs) Bible. And it wasn't until someone rebuked me in love and pointed me towards the truth and said, hey, just go to the scriptures and forget everything anybody's taught you. Read it like you're reading it for the very first time and let Jesus you. Let the Holy Spirit be your teacher. It was only when I did that, that I saw the lies for the lies and the truth for the truth. And I came out of the Hebrew Roots Movement.
1: Yeah, that was beautiful, man. One thing that I can say, too, is that um, about the, the, the lens, the filter, how important it is to uh, take a step back uh, and, and, and read the Bible with fresh lens, like with no, uh, preconceived notions. And I think that you'll be able to see things a lot clearer. Um, one of the things about the Hebrew roots that sucks people in is some of the, the verses in the scriptures, which Jesus talks about, um, not one jot or tittle will be removed or added until all is fulfilled. Right. So people take that in the Hebrew Roots Movement CC, we belong, we have to go back to the law, the Mosaic Law. But in your guys' opinion, or your guys' understanding, I just want to ask you, what do you believe that means? I think we touched on it last show with Johnny Bargo, he he broke it down really well, but to me the purpose of that. Was not for Gentile believers. It was for the Jews who were partially blind. Because removing that jot or tittle, what was what was the purpose of the law in the first place? First of all, some of it was only used uh, was only there for the Levites. Some of it was for uh, certain sex, not sex, but uh, like not all of it was for everybody to do. If that makes sense, some of it only the Levites had to do.
0: Absolutely, yeah. But really. What it boils down to and, and you're right about um who he was talking to, it boils down to the covenants, the old covenant and the new covenant. Um, when Jesus said that, the new covenant had not come in yet, and all things had not been fulfilled yet, but right, exactly all things were fulfilled when Jesus kept the law perfectly, mhm. Was crucified. It was crucified. Was crucified yep. and rose again. It then is finished. all things were fulfilled. Jesus said, It is finished.
1: Yep. So even at the Last Supper, you know what I mean? He said, Drink this and remember uh this is the blood of my new covenant. Like he was yeah, that was a yeah. shadow and figure of what was going to happen that day later.
2: Well, or, I mean if you, or, if you if you if you no. read if you read right before Matthew eighteen, Jesus I mean if you read it in proper context you know, Matthew 17, right before he says, think not that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. And then he says, for verily I say unto you till heaven and earth shall pass, one jar or tittle shall, and no wise pass from the law to all be fulfilled. So again, you know, when, when Jesus died on the cross, you know, he said it is finished, and then he was resurrected. Right. And then, then we have, the, you know, the Jerusalem Council, and we have, you know, Peter has, uh, his dream, right? I mean, we're we're no longer under the law. I mean, those who believe that they are saved or under the law will be judged by the law. Yeah, I mean, that and that's the thing. even greater. You know, how do you
0: throw? I mean, you'd have to throw the entire Book of Hebrews out.
2: Yes, which I actually believe the Book of Hebrews was written by barnabas um uh uh, i i do believe that the early church alludes to that um but yes you would have to throw it completely out uh you have to throw out majority of 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 the new testament uh i know that there's some uh judaizers like um doug uh from uh without spot or blemish um who uh all, all of a sudden he just slipped it in he just slipped it in all of a sudden one day uh, he was like, well, actually, no, there was a while he was setting it. He, he, would say on his streams, he would go, I'm not so sure about Paul. Maybe he got a few things mistaken, kind of like to test the waters. Right. You know, but then eventually he went completely. Well, Paul's a false, uh, uh, deceiver. And so he cut all the, you know, he say, don't, you know, all of Paul's letters are fake. Wow. Then second Peter became fake because Peter defends Paul.
0: It's well, like, then you might as well throw out the whole Bible because yeah, <laughs> if, yeah. if one verse is false, then the whole thing is false.
2: And God preserved His Word. And then, so they, the, the spirit of the Antichrist, um, really despises Paul, and it, and ultimately despises Jesus and God the Father. But people with the spirit of the Antichrist, people who are Antichrist. They, especially someone like Rabbi Tova Singer, the venom that he has for Paul, that Paul was Jewish and betrayed them, it's just it it just ravenous out of his mouth. And a lot of the Hebrew roots groups, a lot of people are aware of this if you start following the money, if you start uh tracing the funding. Uh yeah, some of it uh has been said that it could be traced to uh radical Muslim groups. But a lot of the funding has also been traced back uh to a lot of Jewish groups, including yeah, I, I've, I've
0: never seen I've never seen anything um about or even heard anything about it being traced back to Muslim groups, but it is definitely um got poor pl- you know, major ties to Jewish groups. Uh, You know, look at, just look at the rude awakening. Look at, um, (laughs) oh my goodness, the Messianic community, because there's really no no line between the Hebrew roots and the Messianic community anymore. And (sighs) first of all, Messianic Judaism is, (laughs) it's, Cabals. An oxymoron. The, the, I'm just talking about the term. It's an oxymoron. Um, you know, the, the term doesn't make any sense. But regardless, you have these groups that are all linked. Dispensationalist, um, you know, the, the Christian Zionist movement, the you know, the pro-Israel um dispensationalist and the Hebrew roots, the Messianic Jews. Yes, and like then, Rabbi, Rabbi Kahn, for example, yeah, from Rabbi uh, Kahn, Kahn Man. Jonathan Kahn. I, mean, Jonathan he, Kahn, man, I yeah. have got... I, you know, I wrote an entire He's chapter. A false prophet. My, he is. And I wrote a, an entire chapter in my first book about the Hebrew roots, Messianic Judaism, and dispensationalism. Now, Jonathan Kahn... Literally falls into all three of those categories. He believes in a pre-trib rapture and the dispensational doctrines. For the and he's an R. He's
2: doing apostolic reformation as well. Yes,
0: he is. Um, He also, I've got videos of him teaching Kabbalah. Um, You know, he claims that he doesn't do that anymore, but I'm not gonna say whether he does or he doesn't. Because even if he doesn't, he's got <laughs> many other doctrinal issues besides the Kabbalah. But I don't believe—I I honestly do not believe for a second that he's just thrown the Kabbalah out the window. Um, you know, he <laughs> Kabbalah is a major part of uh, Messianic Judaism, and the 100%. reason. Yeah, and the reason for that is because Kabbalah and Rabbinic Judaism are one and the same. I mean, there's no separation. There is only one group of Jewish religious Jewish people, um, you know, religious Jews when I and when I say Jews, I am not talking about an ethnicity, I'm talking about a religion. There's only one group within Judaism that does not practice Kabbalah or follow the Talmud. There's only one group, and they are a very small minority that follow just the the Torah and I you know most people are i'm sure like I was before I really started researching these things, and that is I felt that. You know, Jews believed in the Old Testament, and Christians just added the New Testament. That you know that that was all there was to it. I didn't know anything about the Talmud or the the Kabbalah or anything else. And you know, once I started researching it, and then eventually um, put close to ten years research into it, <laughs> I realized. And, you know, anybody that looks at these things will come to the same conclusion that rabbinic Judaism, literally, the the practices within rabbinic Judaism are found and are the key parts of every occult teaching in the world. They're involved, I mean, they are, like, in, used in Eastern mysticism. They are used in the New Age. They are used in Freemasonry. They are used in, um, black magic. Um, They are, you know, groups like Thelema, Aleister Crowley, Theosophy, um, the, the New Age type of Gnosticism, and even original Gnosticism. Literally, there is so much evidence that Gnostics and Gnosticism didn't originate as a group inside of Christianity, but rather were was a group inside of Judaism that came into Christianity. Yep.
1: Yeah. They were like, Whoa, 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 this should all be interpreted uh metaphorically.
2: It was a mixture of uh, Roman paganism, uh and,
1: and
0: Markov mysticism.
2: Yep, very much yep. so, yes. Which is I mean, which is the foundation of the mystery Babylon religion in my opinion, uh that's that started when Satan uh, distorted uh God's word uh you know to Eve, you know, used to be as, as gods. Uh, you know, and, and it's 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 propagated since then. Um, and, uh, I actually want to read something else to you, y'all you real quick, if you don't mind. This is from, have you ever read the, uh, 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 epistle to, uh, Diogenetus, uh, from Matthews is one of the first, um, early, uh, Christian apologetics.
1: I have, I've heard of it, but I have never read it. So go ahead.
2: It's from, uh, the second century. Um, so this is, so first he does a polemic against, uh, Roman paganism and they're in their worshiping and sacrificing uh to idols but this is on jewish sacrifices okay and next about those who do worship who claim to worship god but not in this not in the same way uh actually no and next about those who do worship god not in the same way as the jews i think you're especially anxious to hear the jews therefore because they abstain uh from idolatry they the previous mention worship may hold the opinion rightly to worship the one God of the universe and think him master, but if they offer him this worship in the same way as those already mentioned, they miss the mark badly. For by making offering to those things without feeling or hearing, the Greeks furnish an example of foolishness. So also, also these regarding God as having need ought rather to consider they may show foolishness, not godliness. For the one who made heaven and earth and all that is in them, and who provides all to us for which we have... He himself would not have need of these things, which he himself grants to those who think to give them. Indeed, those who think to offer sacrifices to him by blood and burnt fat and whole burnt offerings and by these honors honor him, it seems to be no different than those of the same generous zeal to the death and images uh, during these current times. For some offer to those who are not able to have a share in the honor and others offer thinking to give to one having need of nothing. But indeed their anxiety about their food, and the superstition about the Sabbath, and the arrogance of circumcision, and the pretense of fasting in the new moon festivals, I do not think you need to learn from me that they are ridiculous and not worthy of an argument. For then the things created by God for the use of people, some of which were created to be received as good, others which to be rejected as useless and uh, superfluous, how is this not forbidden? And to falsely accuse God as forbidden to do something good on the Sabbath day, how is it not impious? And even to boast of the mutilation of the flesh as proof of election, as of becoming of this being especially loved by God, how is this not worthy of ridicule? Attending to their stars and moon to make observance of months and days, making a distinction between the plans of God and the changes of the seasons, making some of which into feasts, others which into times of mourning, according to their own impulses, instead of God. Who would consider this an example of godliness and not so much of moral foolishness? Therefore, I think you've learned sufficiently that Christians righteously abstain from the general silliness, deception, and fussiness, and pride of the Jewish people. But do not expect to be able to learn from a person the mystery of their very own religion. And then he goes on to discuss Christian practices and what it is to be a Christian. I'll briefly read a little bit from that real quick. So, for Christians, neither by country, nor language, nor customs are distinguished from the rest of humanity. For they, they, for they not dwell somewhere in their own cities, nor do they use some strange language, nor do they practice a peculiar way of life. This teaching of theirs has not been found by any thought or reflection of inquisitive people, nor do they advocate human doctrine as some do. But while living in both Greek and barbarian cities, and each have obtained by lot, and while following the local customs both in clothing and in diet and the rest of life, they demonstrate the wonderful, most certainly strange character of their own citizenship. They live in their own countries, but as aliens. They share in everything as citizens and endure everything as foreigners. Every foreign country is their country, and every country is foreign to them. They marry like everyone. They bear children, and they, but they do not expose their offspring to the elements. They set a common table, but not a common bed. They happen to be in the flesh, but not live according to the flesh. They spend time upon the earth, but have their citizenship in heaven. They obey the appointed laws, and in their own lives, they surpass the law. They love all people, and by all people are persecuted. They are unknown, and they are condemned. They are put to death, and they are made alive. They are poor and and make many rich. They lack everything, and they have abundance in everything. They are dishonored and in dishonor glorified. They are slandered, and they are vindicated. They are reviled, and they give blessing. They are insulted, and they give honor. When doing good, they are punished as evildoers. When punished, they rejoice as having receiving eternal life in their belief in, in in Jesus Christ. They are worried upon the Jews as foreigners, and they're persecuted by the Greeks. And those who hate them are not able to state the reason for their in- enmity. There you go. That's one of the earliest examples of Christian apologetics in the fir- in the um in the uh, second century.
0: Yeah, and you know. <laughs> It's amazing how even the apologetics ministry has changed and is, I mean, I'm not saying that there's no good apologetics ministers out there, but when, you know, still, when I think of apologetics and, you know, a good apologetics I guess.
2: It's contending for the faith. It's contending for the faith.
0: But what I meant was when I think of someone like a name, a person, still to this day, Ravi Zacharias comes to my mind. And he was a great apologist. But then to find out after, you know, he, 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 Dies that he was doing all these things, <laughs> and it it just shows the the lack of piety, the lack of righteousness within. Oh,
2: it's sad, you know. Yeah,
0: it it, it really is. It really is.
2: But it's it's it, there's no the the ap, uh the apologia. Uh, that came out of the first and second, third centuries um, cannot k- even come close to, you know, the, the modern apologia, or the modern apologetics cannot even come close uh, to what was written uh, back there, back then uh, in a lot of ways. I'm not going to say that there aren't, uh, you know, pastors and even some who uh, who preach apologetics. Uh, now that I don't respect I do I res- there, you know I can name quite a few here uh if, if necessary but um it's different it was you know these people were writing uh this uh you know a- apologia uh during first fierce uh persecution they were under fierce persecution uh and you have to be uh you know <laughs> You have to first really know what you're talking about. Uh, and you have to have a very strong walk with the Lord um, when you're being persecuted in the degree that the early church was. Um, and uh, i would be very interesting to find out if there's any apologetics are coming out of countries that are heavily persecuted uh, by other Christians. I'd love to actually try to look. I've actually never realized that till now, but maybe I should try to see if there is any that's out there. Uh, because here in the United States, we are blessed as though Christians— you know, you know, are becoming more and more persecuted. And eventually we will uh, have to face, uh, you know, uh, uh, strict persecution. You know, and
0: the sad thing is that back to what I was saying earlier about the lack of persecution and, you know, this just do what thou wilt freedom that we've had um, is <laughs> we're not, when that persecution comes, people are not going to be ready for it. I mean, there are going to be people (laughs) jumping ship left and right, denying Christ left and right.
1: Yeah, I mean, it says in the Bible, you know, if Christ specifically says that if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And we have two different things going on. We have one group that seems to be uh, you know, like hyper grace, just do whatever you want, doesn't matter how well you follow the commandments of the Bible or not, like if you believe in Jesus, it's like easy believism, you know, if you just believe in him, you're going to be saved. And then you got another group that's like way beyond the commandments of Christ and take you back into the bondage of the commandments of Moses.
0: Absolutely. And you know it it's because there's an agenda there um yep. i uh when I was researching for um origins of evil the the connections that I found between the Jesuits and all of the different false movements within Christianity, almost every single one of them can be traced back to the Jesuits. And when you really, really look into the origins and history of the Jesuits, you find out that the Jesuits were actually originally Jews that came out of the Spanish inquisition and it it was, you know, either convert to Catholicism or be killed or be kicked out of the country. And so you have all these Jews who are closet Jews now inside the Roman Catholic church. And that's who, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ignatius Loyola was a Kabbalist and (laughs) the Jesuits literally are responsible for so many infiltrations. I mean, that
1: Mm
0: -hmm. that was their job. They were the the military arm of the Catholic Church and. You know, not yeah, the military arms Yeah, yeah, not not military in the sense of like say the the Crusades were. You know, where you had the Templars and such, but a, military in the sense of espionage. You know what we think mm-hmm. of as far as um, spycraft and infiltration. They were the masters of it and they have infiltrated the entire body of Christ in one area, one denomination or another. And I would literally almost be willing to lay my life down that every one of these false movements could be traced back there because they are definitely part of that mystery Babylon that John was talking about.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm actually supposed to have, I don't know if either one of you have heard of him, but Johnny Cerucci, he's pretty much the world's expert on the Jesuits. Yes. Yeah. He's, I'm trying to get him on the show. I, we we missed a, a show with him last week because of everything that was going on with this show. But, um, we're supposed to have him on and we will be breaking down the Jesuits and
0: Awesome.
1: Yeah. Oh man, it's gonna be deep, dude, because you're right. They they are like involved with absolutely everything deceptive. Everything that's broken down the church here and there. You know what I mean? Or divided the church, I should say.
0: They are. They are the black cabalists of the Pope.
2: And we're now seeing uh, the um, one-world religion foretold in the book of Revelation, uh, ecumenicalism, yep. uh, yeah. completely come I, to I fruition. Don't. We're seeing christ We're seeing the NAR being involved as well. Everybody yep, putting the, aside doctrinal differences. Uh,
0: Dominionism and ecumenicism. And charismaticism, <laughs> hand in and hand, too. Yep. Yeah, they're hand-in-hand hand with New Agers on stages all across America. And, you know, they are responsible for that uh, one world religion temple over in the Middle East. The ecumenical movement is literally the the end times religion. It will it will eventually bring in every faith.
1: Yeah, it's funny right now that I know we're off topic here, but. It's a weird time in history or on the prophetic timeline because you have the uh, rabbinic Jews talking about how their messiah is about to reveal himself. Yeah. But you also have the Muslims talking about how their Im- imam, I think they call it the their imam. Is that correct? Anybody know? You
2: know I- imam, yes.
1: Imam, okay. Yeah, that um, he's going to yeah. reveal himself soon.
0: Well, it's it's um you know what? Oh man, spoiler. <laughs> I, I want to drop something so bad, but <laughs> that is exactly how I I wrote it in uh, Dominion of Darkness, the the first book. Um when the antichrist reveals himself, he is the the Messiah of the Jews. He is the Maitreya of the Hindus and, or excuse me, the Buddhists. Yep. And he's, um, in Islam, they have, uh, Imam. well, Imam is, is a religious leader. Um, I'm trying to think what it's called. Um, there's been so many books written about, um, the Antichrist calling him what the the Muslims called oh, the but
2: crazy is it, thing I, is, think is, I think it's I think it's I think it's Dajjal. I think I,
0: that's that's definitely one of the names for it. But I literally just wrote over and over and and I included it in several chapters and wrote an entire chapter about it and can't think of the name.
2: But it's all but, coming It's all coming into view now. Yeah. It's all coming together. Yeah, even know. the second
0: coming of Christ for the Catholics um, and for the Christians who fall away and who have been deceived into believing this dominionist lie that, oh, Jesus is going to come and rule over Babylon after we take Babylon back for the kingdom of God.
1: Yeah, that whole uh, what's it called, dominionism? Yeah, essentially, that's what I said. you know. Yeah. Yep. Exactly, man. Absolutely.
2: We should actually, I guess, I guess, um, one thing we could do, maybe do in a future episode, Jeremy, is there's one. Uh, I guess because you guys mentioned this, uh, both of y'all did. Um, I guess one last thing is there's, there's a convergence of New Age and New Apostolic Reformation and Roman pagan Catholic uh, teaching. It's called the, Illumi- uh, the Illumination of Conscience. Uh, mm. It's completely uh, heretical. Uh, but they're all converging in uh, this belief uh, that there will be a moment where – and I believe this is the, the, the moment the Antichrist is revealed – Uh, But they kind of do the inversion of that, where they claim that God will illuminate the conscience of every living being. And for one brief moment, every living being will will be aware of the presence of God and will know God and know of God and be convicted of their sin, uh, whether they're saved or not. Uh, That is complete New Age heresy. Uh, but they are pushing in all of these circles right now new age uh this 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 thought developed for the Roman pagan Catholic Church uh and uh new apostolic Reformation with their great awakening nonsense that they're pushing the great reset versus the great awakening um they're 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 pushing this uh, illumination of conscience uh which spun out of a Marian apparition. We should actually do a whole show on it uh jeremy Ooh. uh one day it's heavy it's it's very heavy deception.
1: Let's do it, dude. I mean, it's it's funny how these different uh, uh, apparitions of Mary have taught mankind these weird doctrines that you don't find anywhere in the Bible. I'm just saying. <laughs> but That's
2: true. Amen.
1: It, it Yeah, I mean, even at the epitema, you know, that changed the world in the Catholic realm. And I've never heard of the, the apparition that you were just talking about, but it sounds to me like these things are... Merging Universalism with Christ Consciousness.
2: It's very much It's called The Warning. The Great Warning and the Illumination of Conscience. Weird. And it's an alleged apparition of Our Lady at Gera Bandal. It's a modern Marian apparition. Uh, But they are are pushing it. And as someone who's a former Gnostic, a former New Ager, I smell (laughs) this the day is
1: long. The Queen is heaven. The Queen of Heaven has returned,
2: right? <laughs> yes, and she will illuminate every everyone's conscience on Earth, and for one moment they will feel the burden of their sins and will realize God in complete fruition. It is so satanic, and it is not in the Book of Revelation at all. Period, at all. And the discussion It's not taught in the New Testament. It's not even taught in the Old Testament. This is New Age satanic mystery Babylon garbage.
1: Yeah, I got bad vibes from that. <laughs> Pun intended. So what do you guys think about your closing argument? Or your, what do you guys want to tell the audience or any of those who are caught up in the Hebrew Roots movement? What would you say to them to help them, um, you know, see? I mean, I know it's hard to have, like, show somebody the errors of their ways, especially if they have a preconceived notion. Um And I think we've all been there. But but sometime, you know, our our paradigm has been shifted and we have moved on for the sake of truth to uh, renounce some of these old doctrines that we once believed in. What what would you say to somebody who is involved with the Hebrew Roots movement as of right now? uh, What do you think would be the best way to. Show them the error error of those of their
2: ways. Um. I'll just briefly state that uh, Jesus Christ is the only way, truth, and the life. And through God's grace, uh, by our faith, we are saved. <coughs> as any man shall boast. Uh, and so, um, by that faith, by that belief uh, that God gave us through His saving grace, um, you know, th- it's not by any any works. It's not by keeping uh, the law. Uh, which no one was able to do perfectly, except for the Son of God, the Son of Man, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, and so uh, John, uh, the beloved disciple, mentions in First John, uh, uh, First John uh, 12, uh, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, and to those who believe in his name, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of a man, but of God the Father. Okay. So come out, you know, we lovingly say this, we don't uh, chastise you out of arrogancy, um, you know, but but we do believe that this is what is taught, and this is the one true way and the only way. So, you know, please, we beg of you uh, to come out of the Hebrew Roots movement, which is a true deception, It is truly another gospel, and is not of God.
0: Absolutely. Can you guys hear me? i can right now yeah okay Uh, i just wanted to make sure i had uh gone off of skype to pull up the manuscript of my book because i was looking for the the word we couldn't find earlier and uh i didn't know if you guys could hear me or not but to the
1: uh anybody in the hebrew roots movement i know that
2: Is it me or did we just lose him? I think we did lose. Jeremy, did we lose you? I think.
1: Mm, no,
0: okay. I, I'm here, but um, oh, we could we couldn't hear
2: you for we heard, couldn't hear you for a brief second. What were we gonna say, brother? Yeah, to, to those of the, uh, that are in the appara- Hebrew Roots movement, yeah,
0: Apparently, um, it, it did cut me off after being on there for a while, but you know, everyone that I have talked to in the Hebrew Roots movement and people who ask me to watch videos when i watch those videos people who send me podcast links when i listen to them, almost every one of these teachers at one point or another say that the reason that you know they are in the hebrew roots and the reason that it is the the true way and the right way is because it's the way that The apostles and the earliest Christians lived that it wasn't until the the Catholic church came in and changed everything that we got the Christianity that we have today. So what I would say to them is I challenge that statement that I have heard so many times and I challenge you to look into the early church. Because hundreds of years, hundreds of years before the Roman Catholic Church was ever thought of, and when some, at least the Apostle John, was still alive, the anti-Nicene writers were writing documents telling what the true faith of the apostles that was handed down to them by Jesus, and then handed directly from the apostles to their disciples. We're talking about the people in the churches of Ephesus, the people in the churches in Smyrna, and Philadelphia, and all of the seven churches As well as places like the the Roman church and just the body of Christ as a whole, for the most part, all believed and followed the same thing. And if you research that for yourself, you will find that it is exactly the way the Bible says it is, not the way the Hebrew Roots teachers that you're listening to say it is. Yes, Christianity did come from Judaism, and the apostles were Jews. However, the the, the New Covenant was prophesied in the Old Testament, in Jeremiah.
2: Yes, yes.
0: And when Jesus came and brought The new covenant, the old covenant was replaced. It was the changing of the covenants and the church, by the time the first century was over, at the beginning of the second century, the church was mainly Gentile. But the thing is, that's just ethnicity. According to the Bible, they weren't Gentiles, they were Israel. The church is Israel. They were children
2: children of God. They're adopted children of God.
0: That's right. There is there's only one Israel in the new covenant, and that is the spiritual Israel. And it is made up of Jews and Gentiles, everyone who is in Christ Jesus. Paul says this better than anybody else when he talks about the natural branches that were broke off and how the wild branches were grafted in, but not to, and I'm paraphrasing very badly here, but Not to uh, boast or think yourself better than the natural branches because if you, as a wild branch, were grafted in, how much easier would it be for a natural branch to be grafted back in if they believed on the name of Jesus Christ? And that is so true. The true Fundamentals and roots of the faith are not Hebrew in the sense of Judaism. They are, the roots of the faith are Christ. They are Jesus and Jesus' teachings from the Sermon on the Mount go back to what Jesus taught and what jesus said follow him forget about following men forget about what we've said you know don't listen to any of us go read the bible like you've never read it before read what jesus says and follow him
2: amen amen
1: All right, boys. Well, we're at the top of the hour. It was an amazing discussion. And, uh, Jeremy, I know that we're going to have you back on, uh, many, many times. Uh, you're my brother. Love you, man. I appreciate you coming on the show today. Um, you know, one thing that I just want to close with too is, uh, just remember what the Bible says. It's not inherently wrong to go back and observe the feasts or the festivities, you know, um, but it's also not inherently bad not to do those things. Yes. Let one be convinced in their own mind what they what they do to follow Christ. You know, but the most important thing is is if you obey the commandments that are given to us in the Sermon on the Mount, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. So let that be your foundation and not some custom or uh, a different way of life. You know, whatever Christ says, you should do.
0: Absolutely. Amen. One last word for me. It's the mighty.
2: Oh, the Mahdi. Yeah. Mahdi, yes, yes, yes. That was the uh the Muslim uh Antichrist. Yep.
1: All right, buddy. Jeremy, you wanna we're gonna have our guests close us out in prayer. So do you wanna close out with us, bud? You wanna start? Sound good to me.
0: All right, man. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you now, Lord, and I thank you so much for allowing me to come on tonight with my brothers in Christ and Talk about this very important subject that is leading people astray from the true light of the gospel of Jesus Christ and leading them into darkness. Father God, I thank you so much for my brothers Jeremy and John and what they are doing here with this podcast by their fruits. Jesus says in the word of God that it's by their fruits we will know them. So that is exactly how we can know our brothers and sisters in Christ, who is and who is not in Christ by their fruits. And Father God, I pray that anyone who's listening to this tonight that is caught up in False teachings, false doctrines of any kind, whether it be the Hebrew Roots Movement or any false teaching. I pray that through the power of Jesus Christ, through the precious shed blood of Jesus, that they will be freed from the bondage that they have unknowingly put themselves under. Just as your word says, your your word, your apostles called the law a yoke that neither they nor their fathers could bear. And it was given by you to Moses to point everyone towards Jesus Christ. Now Jesus has come, and it's to him that we should look. Father God, I thank you so much, most of all, for sending your son, Jesus. And if anybody tonight is listening to this and does not know Jesus, is not following Jesus, Jesus is not the Lord of their life, Father, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. Lord, I love you, and I ask all these things in the mighty name above all names, Jesus Christ. Amen.
2: Amen.
1: Amen. All right, boys. Uh, I I'm thank you for having board. me.
2: Thank you for listening to By Their Roots. May the Lord bless the giver, the gift, and the receiver.